truck and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Monday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show live and on demand on The Blaze. I am Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here with me. If you'd like to join us, 888-900-3393 is the number. That's 888-900-3393. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email the program. You can like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. And for those of you that are merely getting the audio today via Blaze Radio or the podcast, the last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. Coming up a little bit later on, uh, the continued corruption of our children, uh, the new paganism uh, rearing its ugly head once more. Another major American company signs up for the Rainbow Jihad. We will talk about that with our good friend Bob Vanderplatz a little bit later on. Also, we'll continue our look through my most recent book, Truth Bombs, Confronting the Lies Conservatives Believe to Our Own Demise. And this week, we're going to look at uh, really the, the greatest weapon of mass destruction that the American left has used to impose its will on uh, the American people that has, up until this point, just gone largely unconfronted, ignored, uh, you know, uh, dismissed by you know, 90 some odd percent of the conservative movement. But there is some signals from this White House that they may be prepared to at least attempt to do something about it. We will talk about that coming up in our number two. One of the cool things we love to do with this show is support worthwhile causes. And one of our favorites is called Back to Jerusalem. It's a ministry whose heart is taking the word of God to what are called closed countries all over the world, like communist China, like Iran, Somalia, North Korea. And these are called these are called closed countries because they're closing their people off as best they can uh, to the power of God's word because they don't want their people inspired and hope-filled. Because people that are inspired and hope-filled tend to be a lot less tolerant of being oppressed. And that's where Back to Jerusalem comes in. They have taken the Word of God, put it in a small electronic form that's uh, downloadable later, but it's only about the size of a pill, so it makes it easier to get past the jackbooted thugs uh, in these oppressive regimes. But to get the Bible to these people in these persecuted countries, they need our help. From conception uh, of these uh, scriptures uh, to delivery, it costs about 15 bucks to reach one person whose uh, faith is persecuted in a closed country. If that sounds like a worthwhile investment to you, I mean, it's about the cost of a fast food lunch for you and a friend. Uh, give them a call today at 844-305-0566. That's 844-305-0566. Or you can just simply visit this website, blazehelp.org, blazehelp.org. And now here's Aaron with what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by Abstinence. Alyssa Milano and seemingly the rest of Hollywood are very, very angry online about Georgia's new bill that supposedly bans abortion after a heartbeat is detected. So in response, our reproductive rights are being erased. Until women have legal control over our own bodies, we just cannot risk pregnancy. Join me by not having sex until we get bodily autonomy back. I'm calling for a hashtag sex strike. Pass it on. Hashtag sex strike was trending amongst the, you know, 2% of people in the United States who actually drive most of the conversation on Twitter. The tagline for Milano's sex strike, if our choices are denied, so are yours. We now know more about the Colorado school shooter last week. His father is a serial felon and an illegal alien who was jailed and deported for domestic violence twice. 
Five months before the shooting, a district official urged the school's administration to investigate allegations of violence, sexual assault, and campus bullying that an anonymous parent feared could lead to a quote-unquote repeat of Columbine. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez had a little live shindig with Bernie Sanders over the weekend. What we can then say is, A, we should have a non-for-profit public option for basic banking services, and we should be piloting these projects um, through the U.S. Postal Service or, or in any other number of ways. Former FBI Director James Comey did a town hall with CNN for some reason. Do you think, do you think the Russians have leverage over President Trump? I don't know the answer to that. Think it's possible? Yes. President Obama's former defense secretary, Robert Gates, had this to say about Trump and Russia. It's a favorite talking point for the Trump administration to say that they're the, they've been the toughest on Russia of any administration. And in some respects, that's true. In some respects. <clears throat> and the sanctions. You're a cold so warrior. You, you actually believe that? I, I think in terms of the magnitude of the sanctions that have been put on Russia, they are more significant than have been imposed in the past. CNN, your thoughts. Carl, that's the question. Are we living up to this moment in history? Well, by we, if you mean the press, I, th- I think yes. Democrat presidential candidate Jay Inslee has some thoughts about things and stuff. We need to have our transportation system run on electricity. I'm going to make sure that happens. Joe Biden once spoke about jailing employers who hire quote-unquote illegals, said sanctuary cities shouldn't be allowed to violate federal law, and argued a fence was needed to stop quote-unquote tons of drugs coming into the country from quote-unquote corrupt Mexico. Donald Trump invited the Red Sox to the White House to celebrate their World Series championship of last season. MSNBC, your thoughts. Sports is supposed to be something that brings us together as a country. And White House visits of sports teams are supposed to be something that bring Mm -hmm. us together as a country. And among the many, many sad chapters of Donald Trump is that he relishes in dividing us as a country. I bet he was happy today that he was able to say that the white players were here and the players of color weren't. That's the kind of division he fosters deliberately. This part of the montage is called Tranny Madness. We'll start with Mary Gregory, who is a man pretending to be a woman. He was stripped of his record-setting weightlifts in a women's powerlifting federation competition last month because apparently some people still have what, you know, used to be known as common sense. Dr. Julia Shaw is a doctor. She said this, Trans women are women. Trans women are women. Trans women are women. Trans women are women. Trans women are women when they do all the stuff they do. This includes when they do athletics, in my opinion. Feminism has to be intersectional and trans-inclusive. Who's with me? The shoe company Converse has announced a new partnership with 11-year-old Desmond Napolis. He's the self-identified gay child who dresses in drag and frequents gay nightclubs. So corporations are now completely and wholeheartedly endorsing child abuse. So, so that's cool. And finally, Dr. Ray Blanchard is a researcher in sexual orientation, a paraphilia, and gender identity disorders at the University of Toronto. Over the weekend, he tried to share some of his findings on transgenderism and his belief that it is indeed a mental disorder. Twitter suspended his account on the grounds of his supposed violation of rules against hateful conduct. His account was later restored. New York Times headline, Is Your City at Risk of a Measles Outbreak? Here's what researchers found out. The headline isn't the problem. The photo that they used is one of a Hasidic Jew walking down a street. And finally, in Mother Russia, ice skate on you. 
And that's what happened while we were away. Aaron, Aaron's montage today brought to you by our friends over at Relief Factor. You know, we've had so many people here at The Blaze have become success stories with Relief Factor. If you want to join in, here's what you need to know. Uh, if you're like millions of Americans dealing with chronic pain, now not an injury, all right, this is uh, chronic pain that stems from inflammation in the body. Uh, Relief Factor was created by physicians, but it's 100% drug-free. Okay, uh, and here's how this works. There are four key natural ingredients that help your body win the battle against inflammation. I've seen some pretty good results with it using it myself the past few weeks, so I would highly recommend it. If you want to try the quick start, it's only three weeks and it's only a dollar a day. So for 20 bucks, you can get this started. All right, and they offer this quick start program just to get your feet wet because so many people see such positive results when they give this a shot that they have a tendency to stick with it to on a regular basis. So what have you got to lose for 20 bucks, a dollar a day, except maybe finally, hopefully the pain. Uh, if, if you want to try the quick start, here's all you need to do. Just go to the website, relieffactor.com. That's it. Relieffactor.com, 20 bucks for three weeks, about a dollar a day. Give it a shot. Um, again, all natural ingredients. There's only four uh, developed by physicians. Win the battle against inflammation and chronic pain in your body with Relief Factor. Com. All right, later on today in overtime, I, I want to discuss James Comey because he's one of the most. There's a lot of words that could come yes, next. And, and that's why I pause. He is, he is one of the more mercurial. How's that? Is that a good word? Enigmatic. Um, uh, political figures I have encountered in my career. And, and I'm not really sure what his end game is. I mean, it's. I mean, this is a pretty jagged road, really. When you, when you, when you go by when most of us as Americans first knew of him, first became aware of him, was the ill-fated uh, announcement that he made uh, uh, to not indict Hillary Clinton, and where he laid out all the reasons why she should be indicted, and then said, "But we're not going to." And then you thought he was totally in the tank for her. And then th what, uh, uh, the week, the final week of the 2016 campaign, he sends a note to Congress saying, hey, I'm reopening the investigation into Hillary's emails. And if you look at what happened with all of Hillary's polling momentum, she had come out of the debates with a huge lead. Uh, well, huge given her negatives. When you're Hillary Clinton, a three to six point lead, when, you got the, when you're carrying the hefty baggage that she brings to the table, that's a pretty large lead. And we had gone through the debates where most Americans had had a chance to take a look at both candidates head to head. And, you know, and that's a period of time when a lot of people make up their minds. So she clearly had the win at her backs until he sent that note. And that, that ended all of her momentum. So you could make an argument that he is as responsible for anybody other than Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump for Hillary Clinton not winning the last election. And on a given, and yet he's hated by the, he's loved by the left, even though he, he cost them the last election, I would argue. Um, he's just all over the place and I can't figure him out. And so I want us to spend some time discussing this a little bit later on today on the overtime. Uh, later in this hour, we're going to discuss the latest with the uh, tranny madness uh, with our good friend, Bob Vanderplas from the family leader, several of the items that Aaron mentioned in his montage today. But I want to start with the, uh, the two things at the top of the, uh, of, of what you ran down, Aaron. I, I don't know. Maybe they, you know, I, I'm not sure she thought this one through. <laughs> okay. 
but but um, in essence, hashtag sex strike is making the argument that abstinence works. That the best way, the most proven way to prevent an unwanted pregnancy is just simply not to have sex with anybody that you are interested in getting you pregnant or at a time that you are interested in being pregnant. I mean, when you, when you strip away all of the talking points, what she actually did there was make a pretty powerful argument for abstinence. Um, there's tons of irony yeah. in, in that statement, of course. Yeah, and you remember on Friday, the uh, woman who made the um, argument about, you know, if, if you're really interested in saving lives, men, then why don't you get a vasectomy? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, if you're really interested in saving lives, woman, then um, why don't you just not even risk a vasectomy being botched? Why don't you just... Go for abstinence. If you're saying that preventative measures can actually, you know, cut down on on uh, kill, killing unborn children or sometimes born children, then uh, why don't you just go for abstinence? Go go the full Monty. Abstinence works. That's the that's the basic argument she was making. Too. Right. I, I I mean I think according to the Mayo Clinic, only at, at the highest estimate of successful vasectomy reversals is only about a third. And tubal ligations actually are much more difficult to reverse, is my understanding. So. Um, what transpired over the weekend, and you can tell they know they're losing the rhetorical battle. You can tell that they know now. I mean, they're, they're on one hand, they're trotting out talking points that just don't make any sense. As you know, we talked about the, the account on Friday that Aaron mentioned arguing for vasectomies. First of all, sterilization isn't the same thing as a life. Uh, By the way, do you know who practices forced sterilization? All the same societies that practice child sacrifice. <laughs> okay, so sterilization is not the same as life. A sperm isn't a life. All right, sperm is not symbolic of there being life. A heartbeat and DNA is, right? Nobody has two heartbeats. Nobody has two distinct strands of DNA, which means if you are carrying those within your body, it means there is another body there. All right. So there's that argument. And then I saw this trotted out over the weekend as well, which was uh, you guys aren't really pro-life because you're pro-death penalty, you're pro-war. Um, and so you you really are just against autonomy. First of all, everybody is against individual autonomy. Everybody is. Absolutely everybody. If I decide that I want to I have I want to use my body's autonomy to take something that belongs to you, are you for my autonomy? If I decide, you know what, you got a nicer color TV set than me. You had a nicer flat screen. I like your plasma more. So I'm going to use my autonomy to walk right through your front door, unplug your TV set, and walk out with it. How you, what, give me your views on, on individual autonomy then. What are your views, do you think, Todd? Uh, my view Mixed, on, maybe? You, you're doing a fantastic rendition here of uh, Mere Christianity and yep. C.S. Lewis, The Problem of Good and Evil. Yeah. Y- yes. No, no one is for individual autonomy. I hear Nobody words is. coming out of your mouth, but uh, all that I hear is actually misogyny, Steve. Just yes. carry yeah, on. Yeah. You're not for that either. No one is for that. <laughs> that's a given. That's baked into the cake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, so that's a stupid statement, number one. Okay, if you're if you're arguing that I can do whatever I want with my body, you're you're not you're you're not you're actually arguing for anarchy. All right, because no one no one other than anarchists truly believe that. Number one. Number two, um, you know, we take life to pre- to protect life. Yes, don't the, the the police sniper should not shoot the man with his uh, Glock pointed at the poor teller's head because you know we're pro life here. No, no, you should shoot him immediately before he shoots her 
exactly because we are pro-life. All right, they're, they're trotting out all the dumb arguments now. And these are arguments that they haven't had to use for many years. I don't know that even Aaron's generation, some of you have even heard these arguments. We used to debate these when I was in high school and college, like 25, 30 years ago. You know, but they've had such a stranglehold until recently on the Overton window on this issue that, that these old stupid arguments that the death penalty is the same as abortion. Yes, yes. Putting John Wayne Gacy and Ted Bundy. And by the way, what is this culture's obsession right now with Ted Bundy? Where did this come from? Do you know? There's a movie about him. There's five movies. There's there's like five the things new, about him right now. It's Why? It's the new zombie. Yeah, I mean, what 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 was what is, did I miss something about him and why it was so necessary to resurrect that sort of tragic tale? But nonetheless, you're right. Putting Ted, giving Ted Bundy the electric chair, get, putting the drip into John Wayne Gacy, who was the inspiration for Pennywise, the clown, and Stephen King's It, giving the get, putting the drip in John Wayne Gacy, uh, lighting up Ted Bundy for a minute. In order to put him down, you're right. Totally the same as an innocent human life that hasn't done anything whatsoever to you whatsoever. See, they haven't had... Listen to me very carefully. There aren't any good arguments for this. Don't be afraid to wade into this debate. You're not missing anything. There aren't any good arguments for this. The first clue that there aren't any good arguments for this is when people tell you, I don't want to debate that issue. Because they know it will stand up to no scrutiny whatsoever. There aren't any good arguments for this. There's really only one argument for this. They want to be able to kill these children. I saw today Mediaite, who supposedly some kind of, well, it used to be, I don't know what it's become in recent years, but it used to be like a media fact checker thing. Kind of a more mainstream, less conservative, but somewhat reliable version from a mainstream media perspective of what Newsbusters and Brett Bozell does. Non-ideological, but, you know, they used to be fairly reliable. They've just gone full Snopes and, and fact check. If you send me anything from Snopes, fact check, or Gateway Pundit, I, I ignore it. And probably put your email permanently in my spam folder that I just shouldn't take you seriously anymore. So those are just all hyper-partisan sources. They're, they're basically the same thing. And now it appears Mediaite has joined their cachet because they went after Fox and Friends this morning for claiming that Democrats want to be able to kill babies. Hot damn. That's the truest thing ever said on Fox and Friends. I mean, that's the kind of language I, I use that I was told I got blacklisted from Fox News. I was, you know, by I was told this six months ago because I use language like that. They don't they don't like that. That's too harsh. So I mean, that's the truest thing I can promise you. That is the truest thing they have ever said on Fox and Friends, is that statement. And Mediaites out there fact-checking them. There aren't any good arguments for this. They just want to be able to kill these children. That's it. Don't be afraid of pushing back. Don't be afraid of exposing them. They don't have any good arguments. And you saw that over the weekend with the best argument they had was our argument. Abstinence. Don't have sex with people you don't want to impregnate you and don't risk getting pregnant at a time you don't want to be. 
that's that's a pretty solid uh, way to avoid ever having an unwanted pregnancy confront you. This is akin to a story in our backyard here. For years now, especially a a decade plus ago, the Iowa DNR, anytime there would be a report of a mountain lion, there's no mountain lions in Iowa, you plebeians. There's no such thing. They don't come this far east. You're a bunch of idiots. There's a mountain lion on the loose in Des Moines now, and all of a sudden the Iowa DNR is saying... You know, if you come across a mountain lion, you should probably not run away. You know, make yourself look. It's the exact same thing. Yeah. Um, all of these stupid arguments. Eh, you, you, you know, we, you're just taking away bodily. All of the arguments you just ran down. Abstinence. That's that's what we are going to do now. Abstinence. Abstinence. Because that that's going to teach the pro-lifers. Yeah. It still amazes me that those who seem to be obsessed with sex. Hey, I'm a guy. I like it a lot. Okay. Uh, you know, we've had three kids. We all had them all the old-fashioned way. And, you know, those aren't the only three times I attempted to hit the target. So, you know, I'm a big fan, actually. Um, but it's amazing, though, those who seem to go from fandom to obsession with this topic, it's amazing how little they actually know about it. How little they actually know about um, the cosmic aspects of it, how little they actually know about just the basic biology and physiology. Why? Because they don't care about the truth. They just want to be able to kill those kids. That's all. Don't ever lose sight of that. If it's a member of your own family, it's what you see in the media, it's what you read, it's what you see in a movie. There is no argument. There is no rationale. Trust me. I've done this on national TV, on MSNBC several times. I've had far more of these debates than many of you ever will. And I had the um, heart palpitations and uh, anxiety that put me in the hospital three weeks ago to prove it. (laughs) Trust me when I tell you. There's no there there. There's nothing there. There's not a single argument in favor of this. Not a rational one. That's why they're so irrational when communicating them. Have confidence. You're on the right side of history here. This, there's no good argument. They just want to be able to kill people. They don't want. They just want to kill those children. That's all. Box and Friends was right. Props to them. Second topic in Aaron's montage I wanted to get to today. I want to I want to handle this really delicately. All right, because I I don't want to I don't want to arsonist this or hot take it. Okay, so I'm going to do my best to communicate what I think needs to be said here and. Take that as a disclaimer up front, all right? Because I, I mean this sincerely. The, 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 the latest school shooting that happened out there in, in Colorado last week, whether it's the program that they were a part of, the STEM program, which I believe comes, it's kind of a charter school movement right out of the Common Core curriculum. Um, you have a father who's an illegal alien who's been permitted to live in this country for how many years? One of the kids belongs to Occupy Democrats who thinks the party's not socialist enough. Another one of the kids is undergoing, it, it, it has a mental illness, uh, gender dysphoria. This is becoming the most woke gun tragedy we've ever had. And This is where worldviews matter. I don't believe in politicizing tragedies. I also don't believe, though, in ignoring the worldviews that can cause them 
or falsely claim they will avert them at the same time. Despite all the, all the emphasis on bullying, the school ignored those warnings. Bullying is in, bullying in the government schools now or in really any non-religious set, school setting. Bullying is what self-esteem was when you and I were growing up. It was all focused on self-esteem. Bullying is, is not what self-esteem is. It's all based on bullying, anti-bullying. There's never been a generation of human beings more aware of being of bullying in the history of our species than the ones going to school or coming out of our schools right now. And here we have, at the center of this, individuals who represent all of the world, all of the beliefs coming out of the worldview that claims if we embrace the beliefs that stem from this worldview, we will avoid problems like this. I think a question needs to be asked. If the individuals that are at the, at the center of this tragedy and it, that took place at the, at the location that it did in the circumstances that it did, if, if that's not an indictment that heading in this direction worldview-wise, culturally, is the wrong way to go, then, then we're just a culture that doesn't want to listen. I, I, don't, I don't know what else to say. I mean, this is... And the only, the, only, the only death out of this was the young man that gave his life protecting his classmates. Correct? I believe he was the only one. Yes. Stop. We have to rise to the occasion. We have to have parents who say, here and no further, we're not doing this anymore. In that environment, with the way those young people are educated, and given the identities of the people involved in this, by their own propaganda, something like this should have never happened at a place like that. And with the people that orchestrated it, It's time for us to be honest about human nature, about nature in general, about the laws of nature and nature's God. We need more people out there like you listening and watching us right now. We need you to learn a simple word. And I need you to learn it, and we need you to learn it on, on all the other days other than the first Tuesday in November every two, four, or six years, okay? It's a really, it's not a complicated word, but it's powerful. All right, here's the word. No. If you are within the sound of my voice right now, you need to say this word far more often. No, it is the most powerful word in all of self-government. In fact, if you never say the word, you're not a self-governing people, no matter what you claim. It is time for we as a people to say this more often. You want to start a hashtag and a campaign? 
No. 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 Until you stop saying no, they're going to keep saying yes. No. Learn to say the word no. If you watched 60 Minutes recently, you saw they had a program uh, that featured the very crime we've been warning you about the last year on this show. It's called Home Title Fraud. The FBI's former head of cybercrimes was warning homeowners that foreign and domestic thieves can steal your home and they can do it all online because that's where a lot of our home titles, mortgage information, things of that nature are kept. They forge a signature onto the home's title, refile it under their own name. They then liquidate, take out loans and liquidate the equity on the property, stick you with the payments. It can even lead to an eviction or foreclosure in some cases. Don't let this happen to you go to our friends at home title lock for pennies a day they'll put a virtual barrier around your home's title and you can get a free title scan and report from them right now normally a hundred dollar value but they'll check on just how safely secured your most valuable investment your own home home is right now for free at hometitlelock.com that's hometitlelock.com our good friend bob vanderplatz will join us about another area in the culture we need to say no to in a moment it is prime real estate shopping season if you're thinking of buying or selling a home this year uh this can be one of the more uh anxiety filled stressful times in your life i've done it a couple times myself uh especially if you're doing it at both ends, selling your current home in order to move into the next one, then it's doubly so. We last did it 13 years ago, and uh, we were blessed with a great agent, Scott Remsburg. We live in the same neighborhood, see Scott uh, around town. I, I don't know how we would have done this without him. I also don't know how you would do it if you could not find your own version of Scott Remsburg. And that's where Real Estate Agents I Trust comes in. This was a company started by Glenn Beck and his associates several years ago. They were concerned about real estate agents who talked a good game and then didn't deliver the desired results when they were needed the most. You're looking for an agent that is worthy of you. And they ought to check three boxes. One, a track record of navigating the complicated real estate market process. Two, that they know how to look beyond the algorithms. You guys, if you watch, listen to our show, you know I'm a big fan of data. But I also tell you, hey, the data is your friend until it runs into human nature. All right. So, uh, you know, there may be a home for sale right now on your block that that may be undervalue or overvalue of your home. And if you just go by an algorithm, it'll directly impact the price you put on your house. But there might be a reason why that's unique to that home. So you need an agent that doesn't spare those details, does their homework. And then third, just one you can get along with. You know, I mean, this is a different, this is much more of a relational process than, hey, I took my car to the mechanic. Can you change my oil for me and, you know, and uh, rotate the tires? I mean, there's a lot of, of relational aspects to this. If you can't get along with this person, your likelihood of being successful, not high. So if you want an agent that clicks or checks all of those three boxes, you need to go to realestateagentsitrust.com. That's realestateagentsitrust.com. Back with us uh, here uh, again this week is our good friend Bob Vanderplatz from The Family Leader with us live and on demand on The Blaze. Good to see you, Bob. How are you? I'm doing really well. Had our youngest graduate from college, so feeling a little bit more free today. Are you? Yeah. We've got our first ever graduation. Anna's high school graduation is uh, this weekend. 
And then she's got her graduation party on, on June 1st. So, Well, congratulations. Welcome to the journey. Embrace it. It's fun. It's fun. Okay. It is. It is. Enjoy it, it. You know, I've, it, it, it feels weird. It, it feels weird. <laughs> How did she get that old? Because you haven't got I, any older. Yeah. Well. That's the way I feel. I certainly feel a lot older, uh, as a matter of fact. You know, and I, we had our family movie night yesterday, and, and I just looked over at her. And I'm like, where did this, where'd this grown woman come from? You know? So. Well, what really gets to be fun is when you have adult conversations with the kids. And again, I've enjoyed it. Well, then they every, might think every, for themselves. Yeah, no, no, you love it. You love it. And it <laughs> gives you a real opportunity. Do you really believe what you believe to be really, really true? So um, good stuff. Glad to be here. So we talked on our show and you and I have talked about the Pete Buttigieg angle. Mm-hmm. And now you're seeing his campaign is it, it it's it's gone done he he did his job you know he was a total troll job he was here to find I just haven't heard a lot about him lately there's a reason for that he did his job <laughs> you know he he was out to find men that do what you do in the public eye get get one or two prominent people you know that do what you do get them to show their rear ends in public and you know uh, pee down their legs with the cameras rolling so they can then point their bony fingers at the church in general he got it done. And now he's back to just being a podunk mayor from a podunk state that Democrats don't care about, right? Mayor of South Bend, Indiana. A podunk state and a podunk city that Democrats don't care about. And they're, they hate the state. They hate, the, the, no. That's why I told you he was never going to be the nominee. He was never, this was not real. He was just here to troll. But I also told our audience there would be a time, though, for us, I believe, to go all in. To, and it's not the Pete Buttigieg candidacy. That there's a time where accepting the alternative is just it, it's not it's not possible in our worldview because to accept this alternative means I can find things about Pete Buttigieg beyond whom he chooses to have sex with that I don't know maybe we like the same cereal maybe we like the same sports teams although he's in South Bend so I doubt that's probably mm-hmm. true right but, you, but there's some things that you probably have common ground with. sure sure there, when he when he's not having gay sex. Yeah. I'm, there's probably all kinds of other things we agree he, on. He defended the country. Yeah. And so I, we... I, I will, you know, that's good. That's a great place to start. I'll absolutely honor that. You, you bet. bet. All right. When we disagree with each other's moral behaviors, unless we're using those immoralities to impose on someone else's, uh, you know, right to life or their own morality, meaning for me, for you to, you can't just, you know, acknowledge where I'm at. You have to affirm it. Unless we're opposing on someone else's morality or their right to life, there we can find areas as human beings all made in the image of God where there's Without things question. about each other we appreciate despite those moral differences. If we're willing to, you know, the, the, their side doesn't seem willing to do that right now. But if we're willing to, we can do that, all right? But on this issue, the accommodation, I don't believe, is possible. Because to acknowledge this on any level, require you are now, re- the only way I could acknowledge this is for me to shake my fist at my creator. Mm-hmm. The only way that I could, occur, that I could um, uh, uh, you know, share space with this ideology at all is for me to deny the basic realities of the universe. And that's training madness. And over the weekend, um, we saw the University of Toronto professor whose Twitter account was suspended for coming out with his findings that this is a mental illness. Of course, it's a mental illness. It is not a natural human desire to want to remove your genitals. It's Mm -hmm. not natural. Of course, it's a a mental illness. Of course, it is. And then there's this character uh, who 
This is just a tragic story. He's 11. Claims he's gay. He's 11. He hasn't been through puberty yet. He hasn't been through puberty yet. How in the world does he even know what, how does he even have a clue what, what any of that means? I guess and, is the social dynamics that surround him. Yes. And and he's been, his parents, or it's his mother, uh, have sent him to do, uh, you know, cavort and do uh, tawdry dances as a as a cross dresser, which that's what we used to call this when we didn't when we didn't want to when we weren't willing to pretend it was a mental illness. We called them transvestites. It was cross dressing. Mm-hmm. They've got this eleven. His mother has this eleven year old cross dressing on Good Morning America gay bars, and now he's going to be one of the spokespeople for Converse tennis shoes. And we we wrote a, I wrote a column about this for the Blaze over the weekend. When you think of Converse, you're thinking of one of the venerable. You know, you and I are both big sports guys, both big basketball guys. I mean, yeah, these these were the first before there was Nike. There these was were, Chuck Taylor All Stars. These were cool, and then they became cool again, right? Kind of like the old uh, Run DMC Adidas. <laughs> Last time I bought Noah tennis shoes, I'm like, I'm looking at all the new stuff, and he's like, I really like these, and it was just the white three striped Adidas that sure. Run DMC wore 35 years ago. Apparently, those are cool again now, you bet. right? But this is, again, another another venerable American corporation that is essentially signing up with the new paganism. And I know you have some thoughts on this. Well, I think what it is, I mean, there's a lot of thoughts on it. Uh, first of all, let's go back to Pete Buttigieg real quick, and then let's let's uh, go, go into this topic that you introduced just now. With Pete Buttigieg, what I do believe his candidacy did is it allowed us and the church to grapple with this issue again? Because, you know, they say that the support for gay marriage now is like 62%. I think what it is, as a culture, we just kind of go, and we never really thought about it. We never had an intellectual conversation about it, much less a biblical conversation about it. So maybe it's an opportunity for the church to say, you know, what does God's word teach on this issue? That we could re-engage that conversation again, which would be marriage, God's design for sexuality. As it relates here, here, here you have a young a young man, 11 years old, as you mentioned, has not even gone through puberty yet, and where the Word of God says he created them male and female, meaning this, this is pretty basic, this is pretty logical stuff, male and female. He didn't make them all the same of saying, you all have to be like this if you're a male, and you all have to be like this if you're a female, but he created them male and female. But now to elevate as a corporation, something that we would say, what what are you doing? I think at some point, there's got to be a stand and of of people of moral conscience, of people of faith, of people whatever, say, you know what, it's a bridge too far. I'm not going there anymore. And I think what Converse is doing, they now want to be the cool kid on the block. This is a way to elevate my shoe sales, a way to elevate my advertising by using an 11-year-old who you've got dressing up um, I don't, I'm not even sure how you're using him, but to say we're going to use him to sell our product. The, uh, the man I dedicated my most recent book to, and you knew him as well, uh, Jonathan Narciss, uh, yeah. used, to, used to tell me uh, about the pro-life cause. Steve, if we, aren't, if, if we as a society cannot be compelled uh, to protect and avoid the corruption of the children that are already born, we are never, ever going to be willing to protect the children that haven't been born. And I, I mean, when him and I had that conversation seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years ago, 
the idea that we would see an 11-year-old boy identify himself as homosexual pre, as a prepubescent, whose mom would then put him, have him cross-dressing, but then he would be affirmed during a Christmas show at Good Morning America and become the major spokesperson for uh, a major uh, athletic wear. I mean, I, if, if I would have gone, if I had gone on the radio that day, and or back in that time period, and I would have said, you know, if we don't say, if we don't say no to this stuff now, this is where we're going to end up. I wouldn't have had. First of all, people have thought I was nuts. They, they it would said, never even have occurred to me to you, even go there. You can't make this stuff. But up. if I had done that, I, that might have been the end of my career. I, I would have been accused of paranoia. I'd have been ac- accused of ratcheting up people's emotions. And yet, it's exactly what's happening right now in 2019. Steve, Steve when I was a teacher and a high school basketball coach, there was a mentor of mine, and I sat across the table from him one day, highly successful. And I said, listen, you've been coaching for a long time and in education a long time. I said, how have kids changed? And he got very animated and very passionate very quickly. And he said, don't ever buy the lie that kids have changed. He said, they come into this world the same way you Mm -hmm. and I come into this world. And he didn't say it at times. I don't think he thought he needed to. They come in male and female. Mm -hmm. But they come in the same way we did. He said, kids haven't changed. But the adults in the children's lives have changed dramatically. And when they change, the kids will change. And that's why you're getting what you're seeing here right now, where you're saying, we couldn't have said this 10 years ago on WHO radio. People said, what are you talking about? Mm -hmm. Do you realize that back in 2006, when I ran for lieutenant governor of Iowa, if I would have said marriage is between a man and a woman, it would have been the duh statement of the time. 2006. Four years later, it's the biggest issue in the gubernatorial campaign when I'm running for governor at that time Mm -hmm. about what constitutes the institution of marriage. Now we're asking what constitutes the issue issue of a male and female, and how can we use these kids as basically a way to boost my basketball sales, my, my shoe sales, whatever it might be sales. And I think it's where we need to be able to say, as you just said, you know, when do we say enough is enough? I'm done doing this. Todd, you were shaking your head no as Bob, or shaking your head yes as Bob was talking. What are you, what are you thinking right now? Uh, parents, I, I said on Friday, I was talking about something in personal life, but I, I, I see this all the time. Uh, parents don't, they don't know what they're doing. They are very, very concerned. Their insecurities are such, and it would make sense because ultimately that's what your idols do. They cover up your grotesque insecurities. Uh, and you're not you're not humbled in in, in uh, a loving God's um, re- a relationship with a loving God. The parents are out of control in terms of uh, legitimizing um, much, if not most, of what their kids do because they don't want to fracture the friendship relationship that they have garnered with most of their uh, kids. Uh, I, I look forward to one day being uh, friends with my adult children, but that's not even remotely close to being my job right now. My oldest being 15. You just now, Steve, you kind of, how hard that is to deal with right now. You are on the cusp of that Mm -hmm. relationship uh, changing. I I just, I see it day by day. I'm seeing it right now. I'm going through it. And I'm to say what you say. I'm saying no all the time to parents, to administrators, to coaches. And it's, it's a constant battle. Uh, it's why, like Steve says, I, I often don't make very uh, many friends because they look at you like you are speaking. It's Tower of Babel stuff. They look at you like 
what you're saying, the common sense that you're talking about of just years ago is an utterly foreign language to them. But what you're talking about there, Todd, and being speaking from one who's been a parent longer than both of you have and one who's been in education, the friendship you're talking about that you're witnessing with your other parents, track meets, soccer games, whatever it is, I call that false harmony. Mm-hmm. It's yes. false because it's not communicating I really love you. Parameters, guidelines, that's a communication of I love you. Yes. Matter of fact, since my youngest son graduated from college this weekend, I resurrected the, the commencement address given by Ted Koppel to Duke University in 1987. And what made that commencement address different was his daughter was in the graduating class. Mm. So he didn't speak as a news anchor anymore of Nightline. He spoke as a dad to a daughter. And the title of that address was The Ten Commandments Are Not the Ten Suggestions. And it is a wonderful address. You can Google it. It was 1987. And you advance that 32 years, and you think about where we're at today, that address is as relevant today as it was in 1987. But basically what he was saying is, I love you so much, I'm not going to lie to you. Because there are parameters to this stuff. And there are things that when I take a look at parenting like this and with this 11-year-old, you know, I look, is this a form of child abuse? Yes. Be- because what it is, is it just in vogue now that I can dress my boy up to be a girl and to, to make him out to be all this stuff so he can now represent Converse one day? Is that really what this is? Because, Todd, there are a lot of young adults in their early 20s, early 30s that are looking back and going, why didn't somebody say something to me? Why didn't somebody – because you know what? The parameters – you know what my dad gave me a curfew of midnight? Because he loved me. It was a parameter. You're not going to stay out after midnight because only bad things happen after midnight. At the time, you're like, oh, wait a minute. Everybody gets to stay out till 2 o'clock in the morning. But he said, not you. And, and he didn't have to go the next step about because I love you that much. But that's really what it is. Parameters, guidelines. I mean – the laws of nature, nature's God, that's for our good, not for our harm. And they actually investigated this the, the parent about child abuse and came back with, no, that's not yep. happening. Well, how does that happen? The kind of people who go and do that, are quite they are abusing their relationship with their families and their own lives. Not to this extent, perhaps, but along the lines you're talking about. They, their sense of parameters, what real mercy is, what real justice is, is entirely out of whack. And so the drip, drip, drip gets out of control. So there's no more foundation. There's no more pillars anymore. And that's the consequences that we're dealing with. So if there's anything I'd suggest for your audience, I don't do this all the time. If I suggest it for your audience, I would Google Ted Koppel's 1987 commencement address and read it and then apply it to today. Bob Vanderplatt's good stuff, man. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. So one of the things that uh, we lie to ourselves about here in the what's left of America is, well, those are social issues. I'm into the fiscal issues or vice versa. That's a scam. Because the same people that are doing this to our children, the same people that are bringing the paganism back into the so-called social issues are the same people that are pushing pushing socialism on you on the fiscal issues as well. This is about the deconstruction of Western civilization on both ends of the spectrum. And that's why you want to go with a company that understands this, that looks at this holistically, whole cloth, sees it from a worldview perspective, not just from a technocratic one. And that's what our friends at Swiss America do. Uh, they understand that America is embracing socialism 
and abandoning free market biblical economics, but they want to help you protect your wealth should indeed, unfortunately, we go, we go full throat with that dark embrace. So they've put together this free report. It's called the Protect Your Wealth Report, and it's free. And it's the way to help. Hey, they believe the worker is worth his hire, as the Lord said. So they want to help you protect your assets, protect your productivity, protect what you have rightfully earned from folks that want to use government to take it away from you, an all-powerful uh, demigod government. If you want to get this report, 800-289-2646 is the number. You can give them a call at Swiss America, 1-800-289-2646. Or if it's easier for you, just go right on their website. Get it for free. This report is free, all right? The Protect Your Wealth Report at Swiss America, all one word, SwissAmerica.com. You know, I've said I've said from really going back to when I did uh, started out here doing sports talk radio, the kids have not changed. It is the parents who have changed and what they are willing to say no to. And to me, that the mother, she ought to be in handcuffs. And I'll yes. just say it on the air. I don't care. Fire me for it. Yep. That's child abuse. She ought to be in handcuffs. Hour two is next. All right, we're back with Hour 2 of the Steve Day Show, live and on demand here on The Blaze. If you struggle with bursts of a lack of productivity, a lack of energy, you are downing those cups of coffee, or even worse yet, far worse, in fact. You're stopping at the gas station uh, when you go to fill it up, and you're buying one of those little bottles full of all those chemicals that you cannot pronounce. Don't do that, all right? Um, you know, there's a reason you're at a gas station, because you're getting fuel that the manufacturer of your automobile says your car needs. That's not where your manufacturer says you should get your fuel, okay? Your manufacturer has natural means for you to get your fuel. Uh, do it the way nature and your creator intended. With our friends at Brickhouse Nutrition and their new product called uh, Dawn to Dusk, uh, it helps with clean energy, focus, and even improved mood for up to 10 hours with no jitters, no afternoon crash, no calories. And no sugar. And now you can give it a try for 15% off of your first order when you use my name as a promo code Steve when you go to BrickHouseSteve.com. That's BrickHouseSteve.com. Promo code Steve. Get 15% off of your first order. And the product you're looking for is called Dawn to Dusk. It's their all-natural energy booster at BrickHouseSteve.com. Promo code Steve. The conversation we just had with Bob Vanderplatz, I, I think that um, the point, quoting my old friend Jonathan Narciss, I, I think that needs to be reiterated. It's very, it's going to be difficult if we can't stand up and say no to what the, the pagans, and that's what we're dealing with here. This isn't even Republicans or Democrats at, at some level. You know, in many respects, the Democrats as a party kind of are the, the political arm of this paganism. And the Republicans are kind of the political arm of the old-fashioned political corruption we all just kind of got used to and knew we could all still have a, live the American dream to put up with. They're not really the political arm of the opposition. They don't oppose it in really any meaningful way. <laughs> 
they fund it, they they surrender to it, they put out memes. Those are cool, you know. I mean, that's cool. But you know, if we're not going to say no to this, then I I don't know how we'll get the culture to say yes to protecting our babies that haven't been born yet. And it's not that, you know, I've been put in this odd position the last few years where I have, you know, this is something you and I have talked about before, Todd, where I feel like I have been put into this position of restraint. And you have known me for a long time. Do I strike you as a man of restraint, Todd? Not your jam. No, no, it's not. It's not typically how I roll. Nor mine. But, but most of the fights that, you, that, that I've been asked to take part in are dumb and meaningless. I mean, think of, think of the things, you know, it would be, would be a fun exercise if we went back to like show our show archives in 2017 oh. and just looked at whatever was the story of the day oh. that we were losing our bowels over. Everybody. You know, and then this is the end. This is it. And like 48 hours later, like no one remembered it. And we were just on to the next thing, right? It's, it's just that most of what you are asking me to sign up to, these are not fights. They're not even really shadow boxes. They're, they're stupid. It's, it's dumbassery, really. It's, you said something mean about, you know, my favorite politician. I, I, don't, I don't care. <laughs> I just, I don't. It's rock, paper, scissors, shoot, except we're all arguing about whether or not we're going on scissors or shoot. <laughs> that is very well said. Yes, indeed. Is it, when, all right, count of three. So do we go on three or after three? Yes, yep. that's, that's really what the arguments are. You're right. That's a great analogy. You know, to me, though, give me something meaningful. And, I mean, I'm, 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 I'll blow the shafar. I'm, I'm totally fine going Helm's Deep if it's actually Helm's Deep. But if it's about this deep, I, 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 I'm, a neg- I'm a no. I, this deep, no. I, I, don't, I don't really care on a given day what so-and-so says about this guy or that guy or this Republican or that one because chances are that Republican or this one will be knifing us in the back tomorrow or the day after that. Okay? So... If you give me Helm's Deep, though, then to the death, you know, we don't plan on surrendering and Klingons don't take prisoners. So we go until everybody, one side is dead and can't fight anymore. This is, this is that kind of a fight to me. This is where we expend our energy. And we can say no. And we're going to talk more about this with Pop Culture Tuesday tomorrow. But the, uh, the, the, the Tolkien movie that came out over the weekend, total and complete flop. I think it made about $2 million. For That's, reference, Unplanned made, what, uh, 3.6, I think, in its first weekend? Yes, yeah. And they wouldn't take its advertising. Yep. So, I mean, you're talking about maybe the most successful author of the 20th century, one of them. Like, he'd be on a list with, like, Lewis, Agatha Christie, Stephen King. In terms of total book sales, he would be on a list like that. And it barely made $2 million. Why? Well, because it's not the J.R.R. Tolkien story. It's not, I mean, they put his name on it, but it's not his story. It's their story. It's what the, it, it's leftist agate prop. They left out the most compelling part of his story. 
what actually drove him more than anything else to write some of the most famous stories in the history of Western civilization. Because that motivation isn't convenient for them. And so they just, they just treated him, you know, like they treated unplanned advertising. Like they tried to treat this, you know, clinical psychologist, psychological researcher at the University of Toronto. Because, you know, that's a real right-wing haven. The University of Toronto. If they can't take facts from the University of Toronto, that just goes to show you they just can't take any facts. All right? No matter the source. It's not the source. It's the facts. <laughs> not the source. The facts. And so they, they, they took away the most meaningful part of Tolkien's life. Of his, of his inspiration. Therefore, really removing what his famous works are really most about. Yes, I don't deny that you know, he was hugely impacted by what he saw in World War I. How could you not? We, these were, this was the first time we saw weapons of mass destruction as, as human beings. And, we, and, they, and they were many of them were proto-versions. They were, they were sloppy. We were new at this. I mean, go watch Peter Jackson's documentary from the, using the actual archives from World War I. It will blow you away the conditions those men fought in. But there's a driving impetus to those stories, and they left them out, and the movie flopped. Same thing they did last year with A Wrinkle in Time, one of the most successful works of the 20th century. They removed the core meaning of that book, and it flopped. We can say no. We are showing we can say no. The problem is we're saying no when it's easy. It's easy just to keep it to yourself. Man, I'm not going to go see that crap movie. Bunch of politically correct garbage. I'm not, gonna, I'm not giving my money to that. Hell no. And then you just don't go. Because you can use your passive voice on that one. It's a lot harder when your daughter's being screwed over at a track meet by a dude who's tossing a shot put 70 yards longer than her. A lot harder to stand up in that crowd and say, no, no. So to me, we have a choice. Like this, the mom of the gay 11-year-old who's who, with cross-dresser converse endorser. I mean, it was like, that's like a script from the pit of hell. You can say no to her now. Or you can let her say no to you later when she's in control and people like her have total control and start taking your freedoms away. It's your choice. Because it's, like, it's not like the other side is much into restraint either. You guys see them pulling up anytime soon and saying, you know what, I think we've come far enough with our progress. I don't need to know. I don't think to go any further would be dangerous. I think we can just, you know, enjoy the victory we've won and park it right here, and uh, and, and you know, and uh, um, what's the expression? Um, uh, watch the sunset over a grateful universe. Think there? Think that that's coming anytime soon? It's exponentially in the other direction. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Lord, Lord Nefarious is up there on the top shelf, just laughing right now. Yeah, no, no, no man. Just the the only instinct these people know is Christopher Walken, man. More cowbell. I think we're gonna need more cowbell. All right. So you're going to get your chance to say no. I have good news for you. I'm being glad tidings of great joy. All of you watching and listening today, you're all going to get your chance to take your stand. Every last one of you. 
And it won't be because people like me are making you do it because they're going to make you do it. Nero's going to make you do it. It's going to make you do it, guys. Caligula's going to make you do it. Commodus is going to make you do it. Hadrian's going to make you do it. All right? Claudius is going to make you do it. Should I just run down the list of Roman tyrants? They're all going to, they're going to make you do it. The choice you, this is really the choice you have. Will you do it now when you have enough of a foothold in the culture that you can press back against them offensively? Or are you just going to wait until it's the Alamo and everybody dies, except when they write the history, you won't be mentioned heroically. You, you, you won't be, you won't be mentioned at all, um, actually. <laughs> so, except for about how bright the fire was when they burnt you. Alive. Yes. Thank you for lighting our orgies at night. We appreciated that. Thank you. So that's, that's the choice, you know? So I mean, we can sit back and just let, uh, glam mom rule the day or we could say no now. Now, I've never understood the notion of, you know, like, I, I guess I'm just wired differently. Like, I'm not concerned. You guys have worked with me closely the last few years. I don't really sit around and lament the things I can't control. How often do I complain about that? No, you don't. Now, how often do I complain about the things that I think I can control? Quite a bit, on yeah, and off here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, That's kind of how I, like, if I can't control something, I, I then, you know, I don't need, the serenity prayer is pretty easy for me. I'm easy. It's easy for me to accept things I cannot control. But if you put something in front of me that I think I can control, I am, I am, I don't understand the notion of waiting until it happened, until they put it on me. No, no, I'm going to, you know, fortune favors the bold. What was the lesson on Friday show, Aaron? You want to work for a company that doesn't fire people for taking the initiative, yep. right? I mean, I, I don't, I don't understand waiting for them to outnumber us everywhere before we finally say no. And, and this has nothing to do with voting. Nothing. I mean, I, I, I mean, voting at this point, with limited exceptions, is important, but it, because it, you know, it just is intrinsically, but applicably, really, all you're doing is is the effect of calling a timeout, like a basketball coach does when the other team's on a scoring run. You're just calling a timeout to stall their momentum. You didn't like change the scoreboard at all. You're still behind. Like all the points they scored, you're not. They're not taking those points off the scoreboard. They were. They're all still there. They still went on that 10-0 run. You just called the timeout, so it's not 12-0, 14-0, 16-0. That's why you did that, right? But all the points still remain. You know, that's not the way voting is supposed to work, by the way. The way it's supposed to work is when you vote for the opposition to the policies you don't like, you're supposed to be getting opposition to the policies you don't like. That's the way it's supposed to work. It just, it doesn't work like that, like the vast majority of time. So really, you're, you're trying to stem momentum. Or as Todd likes to put it, nothing aspirational is happening. These are just mere acts of self-defense at best, right? Yes. Okay. So I'm not even talking about that. We, we spend so much time arguing about how much of my soul I can sell to do this or not do that when largely the cause we're debating doing it over is it's it's speed bump, man. 
If you think voting Republican helps you do it, if you don't, don't. And I, I mean, you're not responsible for the outcome either way, in my mind, because the reason we're even having this debate is because we know that the outcome really won't be that much different. I mean, if we had solid evidence that voting Republican pushed back on the things we're talking about, would we be having this debate? No. No. You're only having the debate over this because we know there is no evidence showing that we get substantive pushback to this. And that debate existed for years. I did that show for 10 years before Donald Trump ever came down an escalator. So, you know, if you feel like you're doing something good, do it. If you feel like you're doing something good, not doing it, cool. That has nothing to do with after you're done voting, they don't have elections in May. So when you're sitting out there watching your kids track meet and you're watching a dude smoke your daughter out there on the, on the, and during the relay run, I don't give a rip who you just voted for or whether you voted for anybody. What are you doing right then? Exactly. And, and that's why we're here. That's why we're here. See, they have never taken losing elections as a loss. They just keep on working as if they won. They've always done that. It's always been that way. Because they, they believe they're, 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 they're leading a righteous cause. We're having a political argument. Now, more and more of us are, under, are beginning to wake up to this. And that's good. And, and now I like the, some of the debates we're having. Like, I think it's a good debate. It's a good sign that we're debating, hey, the tactics that they're using against us, how much of them should we use? Because even though you may not like my answers most of the time, I actually like this debate. You know why I like this debate? Because the fact we're having it indicates we're starting to pick up the sense of urgency here now. We're starting to realize, you know, maybe the situation is pretty dire. Maybe we ought to return mustard gas for mustard gas. Now, I'm not in favor of using mustard gas. I think it's immoral. But I do appreciate the fact that we're now beginning to identify that the, that the previous rules of engagement are not sufficient. That's where we are. And it's not because of what we voted in November or didn't. It's because the rest of the year, you know, it, it, this, is one of the, this is one of the great ironies of politics, is that for all of their talk of centralized, consolidated power, the left has always understood that this is really local. It's the old Tip O'Neill axiom, all politics are local. They've always understood that, and they've always practiced that. And so they control utility boards, school boards, um, you know, boards of regents, the local infrastructure that would carry out the edicts from Washington, they control them all. And they can just flat out say, like the new attorney general in my former home state of Michigan, the new lesbian feminist attorney general up there just said, you know what, I'm just not going to enforce the, uh, uh, the, the laws protecting religious freedom here. I'm just not. Can you imagine what would happen if the Christian conservative Republican attorney general just said, you know, I'm just not going to enforce the gay marriage ruling from the, you know, from a, the state Supreme Court here. I'm just not going to do that. No, I can't because I don't think that's ever happened. Because no, it hasn't happened. The state and the media won't let us get away with that. You're right. And uh, I think uh, 700,000 people watched CNN last week. So, wow. All powerful. No. It's because you're letting them get away with it. That's why. Preach. That's why. 
That's why. And so they've so for all their talk of consolidation and centralization, they've operated on a local level from the top, from the bottom up. They've actually practiced a subsidiary over there. It's over here. We're the ones that we're the utopians. Oh, we love to talk about local control and all that stuff. But for us, it's all about how many Republicans are in Washington, D.C., and then that determines whether or not the country's in good shape or not. Oh, did you see this cocaine Mitch meme? He said, he said he's going to be uh, socialism's grim we- reaper. Perfect. Perfect. Before we move on, uh, to uh, continuing our study of my new book. Most of us don't have a stoplight at our kitchen table when we're eating because that would be weird. Uh, but uh, your your creator gave you one in your body. It's called OEA. Uh, it's naturally present there, but for some of us, the, st- the signal just isn't strong enough. And that's why we keep eating or gaining weight, particularly as we get older, that signal might get uh, a little bit more faint. And that's where Riduzone comes in. Uh, it, it's number one ingredient and it only has three. Right, so its number one ingredient is OEA. It's not a stimulant. There's no caffeine. This is all natural. It's about boosting that OEA signal in your gut to say to your brain, "Hey, we're done here. We can all stop eating and go home." It's the natural way to regulate your metabolism and your cravings. Willpower only gets you so far. What you need, though, is uh, the power uh, unleashed that uh, nature put in your body. And Riduzone is going to help you do that. Uh, and if you go to the website, you can get a special offer right now when you go to Riduzone.com, R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E, Riduzone.com. All right, let's get to it. We continue our study of my new book, or most recent book, I guess I should say, Truth Bombs, Confronting the Lies Conservatives Believe to Our Own Demise, endorsed by a, a lot of the people that uh, you like a lot more than me, uh, like uh, Matt Walsh and Glenn Beck and Mark Levin, Dan Bongino, and Ben Shapiro. And uh, this week, we're looking at, we're winding it down. We've only got a couple of chapters left, I believe. And we're, we're getting looking, there. We're looking at lie number 12 this week. Courts make the law. So anything some leftist judge conjures up from the bowels of his debased mind is now the law. That's the lie we've been sold. And here is the truth bomb. Our founding fathers would have tarred and feathered many of these judges by now. In fact, I I take that back. They would not have tarred and feathered many of them because they wouldn't have had to. After they tarred and feathered a few of them, that would have been the message sent. Don't tread on me. That's another way, kind of a, and no, tarring and feathering did not kill people. That's a lie, which I debunk here in the book as well. And I don't even use a conservative source to do it. Okay, so don't buy into that either. Um, But tarring and feathering was a way of saying, no. No. And in fact, the fact that you made us say no about something so self-evident means that you're clearly depraved enough as a public official. You require more uh, more mustard on the hot dog there. You, you require more of a, of a pushback than just a verbal one. The fact that you even, that you even thought you could come and do this to these free folk, the fact you thought you could even come and do this to these free men and women. Nope. And so we need to make an example out of you for the next time. Um, you know, uh, some loser from, uh, from government comes in here and says, 
uh, you're going to think the way I want you to. And so we're going to, we're going to make an example out of you. That, that was what tarring and feathering has was, was for. And what we haven't done in a long, long time is made an example out of really anybody. Now the white house has signaled in recent days, uh, through Vice President Mike Pence, which, which has me nervous. But the White House has signaled in recent days through the Vice President that it, it, it maybe has had its fill of one individual judge from the 666th District of Babylon gets to issue universal national injunctions. That's, well, Steve, what about judicial review? That's, that's not judicial review, guys. That's, that's not judicial review. I mean, what they're doing now is we actually went through the judicial review process of Trump's travel ban. And the Supreme Court said, yeah, he, he can do it. We actually now have lower courts that don't like the ruling they got from the Supreme Court. So they're going to violate their own appellate process. That's what the Supreme Court is, by the way. It is the Supreme Appellate Court of the United States, supreme over all the other courts. It's not supreme over the other two branches. It's, that, it's called the Supreme Court because it's the Supreme Court over the other courts. All right? You, you, don't, you don't introduce a trial at the Supreme Court. You end up there through a series of appeals, unless they give you what's called an emergency cert. You know, like, um, and sometimes they may bump you up a few nods, like what happened with the Bush-Gore recount in 2000, where the situation was dire. So we skipped a couple of rounds of, of appellate action in federal courts, and we went right from the Florida Supreme Court to the U.S. Supreme Court, because we were, it was good to be Christmas, and we got to know who, who the president is, okay? But barring that, 99.9999% of the time, you have to go through rounds of appeals to get to the U.S. Supreme Court. That's what it means by Supreme. Well, I thought Supreme meant it was Supreme branch of the government. Well, no. Now, that's actually true. That's what it has come to mean. But that's not what it actually means, if you catch my drift. We have permitted it to mean this. And the reason we have permitted it to mean this, and I want to I make sure I make this point clear to you before I turn it over to Todd and Aaron to take the conversation and guide it from here. Because, <coughs> pardon me, if, if I don't relinquish the reins on this one, we'll be doing overtime on this topic until about four o'clock this afternoon. All right, I mean, I... I got coffee tables to build, bro. <laughs> this one is my... I can't even with this one, this topic. But you need to understand why we're here. The reason why we're here, and this goes right to the unibrow and duopoly aspect of the two political parties, the number one career choice of politicians in general is what? Lawyer. Lawyer. Yeah. Most, you know, most of all the, diff, all the things they come into politics with, lawyer is the most, is, the, is often the, 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 the background they, they come here with the most. So they've all been taught in progressively pagan law schools. They've been taught things like a court determines its own jurisdiction. Stop and think about the full impact of that statement, by the way. A court determines its own jurisdiction. That's frightening. I mean, that, that's, that's anti-constitutional right there, not unconstitutional, anti. Because the intended scheme of the U.S. Constitution is to limit the jurisdiction of government. For them to teach that the courts determine their own jurisdiction, right away we are violating one of the key schemas of the U.S. Constitution, which is the intent. 
because they their desire is to create a perpetual unelected constitutional convention. So courts determine their own jurisdiction. Um, you you may have heard, uh, you know, about uh, the, the starry decisis is a term they love to use. Now, with starry decisis, you know, if you if you watch old shows and you see the lawyers go back to the the law books and they look at precedents and how judges previously ruled on cases and whether that reinforces their argument. See, that's what starry decisis is supposed to be. That's what it actually means. Let me tell you what, though, it effectively means. It means literally whatever a court now rules is the law is the law. That's the new law now. Everything the court says is the law is the law. And you know why they've come to that? Because of number, rule number one, a court determines its own jurisdiction. So once a court determines its own jurisdiction, well, a federal judge just determines, you know what? I don't like Trump's travel ban. I don't like a secure border. I don't, I don't like, I like, I like killing babies. So this is just my now universal mandate because I determine my own jurisdiction. And, and I'm in love and I don't even care. And my jurisdiction, I've got the whole world in my hands. My jurisdiction is planet Earth. All class M planets, my jurisdiction decided. Thank you. And Starry Decisis says, what I say is the new law. And then they've been given what's called the lemon test, which is an appropriate name because lemons are traditionally associated with what? Being sold a bill of goods, being scammed. Well, <laughs> self-awareness much. Uh, there's a reason it's called the lemon test, but I kind of like the fact that they've associated their name with this. What the lemon test essentially says is anything that comes from any providential or divine nature should essentially be disqualified from legal consideration. By the way, you lawyers in the audience, there yep. are some of your emails. I'm just going to delete them all because <laughs> you're either all liars or you have been sold a lie that you believe you're in a cult. And I don't have to argue legal terms with you. I don't have to take my else cat or anything else. But see, Steve, all I need to do, all, you know what? All you I, need, hold you, on, hold on. Here's all I need to do to make my argument. I just need to look at precedent. You like precedent so much. I've got 30, 40 years of jurisprudence precedent that shows me what I'm saying to my audience is correct. Anything, and you know, the, the idea of, of everything has to be secular is, is another anti-constitutional notion because in our republic, our rights come from whom? God. God. So right away, we've set up an entire legal system in opposition to the way the country was created. Other than that, though, I'm saying there's a chance. Now, I know you've got a perfectly good snide comment. Aaron, I'm going to let you get to it right when we come back here okay. in a moment. All right. I'm going to turn it over to Todd and Aaron. Otherwise, we're all going to be here for the next nine hours while I just pontificate. All right. Stay tuned. Live and on demand here on The Blaze. Yes, it is indeed spring cleaning season, and a lot of us may be so frustrated that uh, we've just decided, you know what, I, I can't get those pet stain and odors out of the carpet, so I'm just going to have to bite the bullet, and it's a big bite, by the way, and replace the carpeting. Before you make that major investment, you have to give Genesis 950 a try. Genesis 950 is an amazing pet stain and odor remover. With water, it breaks down the bonds of stains and odors so that they're gone for good. It's antibacterial components to remove pet stains and odors from the carpet, but also the padding, because that's that's where the devil's in the details is a lot of that stuff gets down into the paddings as well. You can use it in carpet cleaning machines and it's uh, it's green safe. So it's safe for families and pets. Heck, you can use Genesis 950 to clean just about anything. You're cleaning out your garage. I did that last weekend. 
Uh, you got uh, grease stains there, you know, on the on the floor there in the garage. It'll clean those. Even cleans the nice stuff in, in the kitchen, the quartz, granite countertops, things of that nature. Give Genesis 950 a try, though, especially before you buy new carpeting. Give it a shot just to make sure you don't need that major investment. Go to Genesis950.com, all one word, Genesis950.com to make your order today. And uh, if you uh, use code Blaze at checkout, they'll throw in a, a spray bottle, but also a discount as well. That's that's the really good news. So if you want that discount in the spray bottle, use a promo code Blaze when you go to Genesis950.com. That's Genesis950.com. All right, so to reset uh, this week's uh, look at uh, the latest chapter of my most recent book, Truth Bombs, Confronting the Lies Conservatives Believe to Our Own Demise. We're talking about the lies we believed about the courts. And there are three things you need to understand about our current legal environment. When Sonia Sotomayor, during her confirmation hearings, the video came out at the time that she wanted to be a federal appellate court justice because that's where policy is made, she was telling the truth. Right? They have become super legislators. There's no point arguing judicial review anymore. We're so far beyond the, the argument that, that the, the, the courts were having with President Jefferson and those things in the early uh, 18th century uh, or 19th century. There's no point to this conversation. We're way beyond that. Why? Because we have a court system established on three principles. Number one, that a court determines its own jurisdiction. Number two, that anything that is the new precedent is now law. Period. And everything, all everybody else has to be subjected to it, including the elected bodies. And there's no filter for that whatsoever. And then three, uh, if it's not secular, it can't be the law. It has to pass the lemon test. It has to be secular. So as you can see, when you have a constitution set up on uh, limiting the jurisdiction of government, giving courts unlimited jurisdiction, is that bad? That's bad. Really bad. When you have a government predicated on God-given rights... And then the courts that are supposed to protect your God-given rights say, well, we can't consider anything without removing uh, the, the laws of nature and nature's God from the, uh, from, the, uh, from the process right from the outset. Is that bad? Very bad. Very, very bad. Other than that, though, Aaron, I think this thing's got a real chance to help us preserve our republic. Well, before you start getting high on your own supply there, Steve, I just want to remind you that because you never went to law school, there's no... <laughs> possible way you could understand or have an informed opinion about uh, stare decisis or any other fancy Latin or big Latin terms. Um, and so I just want you to know that um, those lawyers, they have, I guess you would call it a special knowledge about mm. um, law and uh, the legal and justice system. And that's kind of where I want to go with this. And I want to get your, I want to pick your brain about this specifically as it pertains to the conservative legal community. Okay. What are the first two worldviews in the seven deadly worldviews? Would be Gnosticism. Right. And then legalism. Mm -hmm. Now, Gnosticism literally means uh, special, knowledge, special knowledge, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. Legalism, we usually think in terms, um, in theological terms or in, Christ, you know, in Christian terms as uh, you, can't, you, can't, uh, you can't play the guitar because it's the devil's instrument and the color of the carpet and the church has to be this color because that's, you know, red or whatever color. And King is James is the only King Bible James Paul used. The, we think in terms of those, those, you know, those types of things. As far as the reaction that you get, and I've heard you get multiple times from people who have been to law school, conservative legal scholars at all. I've heard the reaction 
has been in te- in in timbre. The tenor of that rea- reaction has usually been when you push back on courts, when you when you encourage pushback on qu- courts, has usually been uh, one of you couldn't possibly know what you're talking about. There's this 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 conservative legal theory or a legal theory in general that says that you what you're saying shouldn't be doing. You know, yada da da da. They go into nine rings of hell of literally of why you can't do what you are purporting to do. That's kind of the Gnosticism. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's accurate, though, to say what's really driving this, even amongst the conservative legal community, a.k.a. the conservative thumb-sucking class, is legalism of the highest order? Because legalism, I think as I would define it, is the elevation of man-made law on par or above God's law. Is legalism of the highest or finest or whatever the opposite term of finest, is that what's really driving this amongst the conservative legal community? Because when you when you ask the question, you've asked this multiple times, and we had that student, and I'm thinking of that student that we had on a couple of years ago, that law school Or Noah student, Rothman from Commentary Noah, Magazine. Noah Rothman, when you yeah. ask them, what is it that a court could decree that you would say, do not obey this? Mm-hmm. You go into, again, the nine rings of hell, well, you can appeal, and then you go through this process, and then you go through this. At the end of the day, I don't think, I don't know about you, I've never heard a a direct answer to that question, is what's driving this legalism of the highest order? And I'm not saying that just because legal law, no, legalism of the highest order. On a spiritual level. On a spiritual level. That is a brilliant observation, Aaron, and... Um, one, you know, this is some of my own work that you have, uh, uh, tied together and I never made that connection myself, but for those of you that haven't been through the seven deadly worldview series, and maybe we need to uh, polish that up here at some point, uh, cause we haven't done it since we've come over to the, the blaze as well. But, you know, the first deadly worldview comes right from the pit of hell. And the serpent says to Eve in the garden, did God really say? Well, he doesn't want you to have this knowledge because he doesn't. There's this special knowledge that he that he that you should have, and you should be you should you should be just like God. And this is the this is the beginning of sin, right? This idea that what God reveals to us as truth isn't sufficient to answer the biggest questions we face as human beings. And so there has to be other knowledge out there that either God that's what the Golden Compass books are about, that God is, has, has, you know, his, he's denied us this knowledge to deny us our, our peak self-actualization, or that God only sets it aside for special people. And you have to become one of these special people, and this is often how cults start. You have to become one of these special people in order to acquire the real knowledge of how things work here in the universe. All right, so that's right out of hell. But then legalism happens and is introduced to the world in the exact same scene in the scriptures. When, when, when the serpent says to Eve, did God really say that, did, you know, uh, say, you know, that you should not eat this fruit? She responds with, well, God said we shouldn't touch this fruit. That's not what God said. So now she's arguing distortion with distortion. And we see we see an archetype of this of this conversation take place early in the Gospels, where the enemy comes to Christ at his weakest moment, coming out of forty years or forty days of of deprivation, and and the enemy goes through this exact same series of questions, just different ways of saying it, but it's it's, it's the same spirit. Did God really say? And in this time, though, you see Christ rebuke him with the word of God in its proper context. And so what happens is 
The forces of darkness will try to distort the truth. We, in our pride and in our own steam, will attempt to rebuke them with the same thing. Distortions and our views of the truth rather than the truth itself. Your founding documents were written for people with an eighth grade education. Why? Because by the time you were in the eighth grade, there's a reason, you know, your founders graduated from Ivy League schools, what we call Ivy League schools today, when they were 15, 16, 17 years old. This idea of prolonged adolescence, foreign concept to the people who founded this country. All right? You're, hey, you're old enough to be, you're old enough to be. All right? You're old enough to make a baby, you're old enough to be treated like an adult. So when you got to 13 years old, either you showed a certain academic acumen that gave you an ability to go on to higher ed, either you had a calling to move into the ministry, or you needed to learn a skill or a trade or become a soldier. Those were your options. And you and childhood is over now. Time to grow up. Welcome to adulthood. So these founding documents were written for people in colonial America that had eighth grade educations. They didn't, they didn't intend for this to be this complicated of a process. It's this complicated of a process so that you don't believe you can have a hold on your own government. That's part of the distortion. Don't buy into it. No, I don't, I don't know anything about property law in, in uh, Wilmington, Delaware. I don't. Don't call me and ask me about that. Go get a good lawyer who does that in Wilmington, Delaware. Okay, I'm not talking about the practice of law. I'm talking about the theory of it, the worldview behind it. Because what we're talking about here with the way that the law has been wielded is we're not even talking about the law. We're talking about legislation. And that's not the government that we were intended to have, Todd. You know, I, I think it's, it, you see a lot of it these days when when you bring up something along the lines that you are and where our rights come from. Uh, the snarky Twitter set says, oh, it's, it's really cute to see... Uh, all of you uh, white Christians uh, play the victim card. You've had uh, a various strains of hegemony for uh, decades, if not centuries now, and now that real progress is here, uh, you know, it, it hurts, doesn't it? Well, it's interesting. In my kids, uh, they all started in Catholic school. The very first historical figure they learn about in preschool and kindergarten, besides uh, the Lord, uh, and they do still teach it, at least at that one, is, is a guy named Martin Luther King Jr., and he's not a white Christian. And in fact, he's kind of embodied as the poster child of what progress is supposed to look like. Yet, progress, whenever MLK was talking about progress, he talked about the exact same things you just got done talking about. Progress is about going back to the beginning and getting it right with the transcends transcendentals which is why you talk about mlk and the answer within this chapter to the problems that fail the courts is all within a letter to a birmingham jail isn't it ironic that one of the great usurped progressive poster poster childs is in fact uh the answer to the this uh dilemma yeah but you know we referenced earlier what we saw them do with jerry our tolkien story what you know, you saw them do a year ago with a wrinkle in time. Um, you know, this is a this is a common Marxist tactic. That's where the term agate prop comes from. Uh, it's we you know fanboys today call it retconning in another context, but essentially it is taking source material and altering it to what benefits the narrative that you prefer and the story you prefer to be telling today. 
All right. So I'm not one of those people, by the way, that buys into if he were alive today, he'd be a Republican. I don't I'm not I'm not into retconning and agate propping Martin Luther King Jr. either. All right. The truth. The truth is its own reward. He just lets the lion out of the cage, yeah, doesn't he? All, all I did was just quote his own words. And you have to understand the context of letting letter from a Birmingham jail is, you know, he is he is in in jail for the Birmingham bus boycotts at this time. And a bunch of white progressive liberal clergy who have, have largely been on his side in the civil rights battle now think that this is getting uh, becoming too confrontational. And they urge him to be more patient, to stop holding these boycotts, uh, and to be more patient. And let's, and here's the irony, and let the courts, let things work their way through the courts like Brown versus Board of Education did. And he writes an article rebuking them. And one of, uh, writes a letter rebuking them. Uh, and one of the ways he rebukes them is he quotes from Aquinas, he quotes from Augustine, that, uh, you know, two of the great fathers of church history, that uh, a man-made code that does not square with law, God's law is no law at all, and Christians have a moral obligation vis-a-vis duty to oppose it. Uh, he uses the example of the uh, of Shadrach, uh, Meshach, and Abednego, who refused to do what, uh, what uh, the, the emperor of Babylon commanded, what Nebuchadnezzar commanded, and went and risked the fiery furnace. Uh, you know, uh, he all those biblical examples of the refusal. I, I no, the word is yes. no. This is why it's such so providential. I, I we did not plan for the show to play out this way. You no. write these words. We need to follow King's lead. We need to be willing to say no. We will not comply. We will not do this. We will not participate in your long train of abuses and usurpations any longer. Call us every name you want. Broadcast all the fake news you want. Threaten us all you want. We'll change our answer. All right, from no to hell no. Let me tell you, this is. I really believe this. If we don't, I I think we are heading down the road. You know, Newt Gingrich said this to me when we had, last time we had lunch together six years ago, he said this to me. Um, seven years ago, he said this to me. The country's more divided than at any point it's been culturally. It's more divided at any point it's been since the 1850s. We are heading down a tact where I, probably the only way to avoid an ending I, I hope none of us wants is if we start saying no right now. If we don't start saying no right now, they're going to keep pushing the boot to the throat. They're not going to stop. You're dealing with bullies. This is a movement. Brian Sims, we talked about last week, is their progeny. He's their firstborn. There's only one way to deal with that. That's it. Right there. Now, you can do that metaphorically, allegorically. You can do this. You can be like the 29-year-old Baptist seamstress who stood up there at the back of a bus one day in, in Alabama and said, no, you know, you don't have to do, you know, uh, CrossFit and turn this into an MMA fight. But you have to be willing to, the, the word no is the proverbial punch to the bully's face. And then your, your willingness to call their bluff. You know what, do your worst. Just want you to know I'm going to fight back and I'm rolling tape. Go. No. 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 If we don't say no, I think we can all see the trajectory this is heading on. And we will have brought it, some of it, on ourselves. Because there's a juncture where, and I say this as a kid who grew up in an abusive household, there's a point where you cross over from being the abuser 
to allowing it to go on for so long, you've enabled the very abuse. When are we going to say no? No, we're not doing that. No, nope. not, not, not obeying that. No. Now, Mike Pence has said that the president, he's advising the president to start saying no. If that happens, man, I'll forget that Rifra, Indiana ever occurred. And Mike Pence will have a new best friend for Evs. Because we need somebody to say the emperor has no clothes. No to you. And what are you going to do about it? I am the president. The people elected me. They didn't elect a judge from Tacoma. No. And if y'all don't like it, impeach me or vote me out. That's the process. No. We're not doing that. Before we get to final thoughts, if you like what I'm talking about, it's because it's called freedom. And right now, FreedomWorks is attempting to do something uh, with the Department of Health and uh, Human Services. Their secretary there, Alex Azar, is actually helping the cause of importing socialism by trying to let foreign countries dictate the prices of our medicine. Now, there is absolutely nothing America first about that. All right, it makes it harder for researchers to find cures for horrible diseases like diabetes, Alzheimer's, and cancer. So if you want to help, uh, they're fighting back against this, but they need every voice we have uh, to help them say no. All right, so here's what you need to do. You need to go to www.freedomworks.org slash DACE. If you're watching today on Blaze TV, it's right up there on the screen. For everybody else, uh, www.freedomworks.org slash DACE. Tell Secretary Azar to fix patients and not prices. Make no mistake about it. Tying the prices of your medicine to foreign countries does not put America first. Add your name here uh, to this cause www.freedomworks.org slash dace www.freedomworks.org slash dace final thoughts gentlemen aaron you had something right i stepped on you a little oh, bit. oh no there. no you're fine i i just said we've been having the same conversation for the last hour and a half that is the name of the game is what we just talked about entertaining to you though if it is that's why we lose i hope this was not entertainment I hope we did it in an entertaining entertaining way. I hope this is not entertainment to you. Back at it again tomorrow. Don't forget overtime coming your way soon for our subscribers. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.